Welcome into Folk the Bear, episode 141, presented by FanDuel. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. You're doing well. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. After Thursday night, tough loss, close game through the first two periods, lots of penalties, some unfortunate stuff, but alas, listen, tough loss for the Terriers. Listen. Hell of a season for the Terriers. They'll be back. Lane Hudson, please, please don't leave. I don't think he will, but I don't think he will. A lot of uh, great senior class, but they got a lot of talented freshmen coming in. They'll be back again. You hate to see it. All of college hockey uh, is is mourning today. The fact that BU, the two underdog, up and coming program, couldn't topple the juggernaut that is Minnesota. But again, we'll be back, Evan. We'll be back. Putting the dog in underdog. Um, they they, got, I, as the kids say, they've got that dog in them. So Yes, they, they literally do. Uh, I think Macklin Celebrini is coming in next season. There's some good recruits. There's some good recruits. And Lane Hudson, I would assume, will stay. Uh, you don't see many one and done um, freshmen in this day and age. Um, but heck of a season. I mean, BU, it's funny. I think the preseason, the hockey's coaches poll at the beginning of the year was like Northeastern. And then BU and UMass were like two and three. Mm-hmm. One of those teams did a lot better than the other. Um, but heck of a season for BU. I know Pete, there was a YouTube commenter. I was checking the comments recently, which is always a great idea to look at the, the YouTube fun. comments. Always a blast. I will say, though, our YouTube comments are pretty nice. They're either nice things about us or about the Bruins. So it's like, I'm always for it. But there was one who was like, of course, they're starting off with college hockey talk again. And it's like, oh, it's that time of year. It's the Frozen Four. We definitely won't next episode, um, you know. No, no disrespect to Quinnipiac, but neither of us have any allegiance to them whatsoever. Um, but yeah, heck of a season from BU. Heck of a college hockey season in general. Should be an interesting national championship on Saturday um, with uh, Minnesota and Quinnipiac. But something else could happen on Saturday, Connor. When number 62 could happen, which would tie the record. Would tie the record. Uh, still four games left. In the regular season, uh, Devils on Saturday night. By the way, college hockey stuff, uh, Luke Hughes is joining the Devils in Boston. So he actually, imagine opening game against, uh, first NHL game against the Bruins. The That'd be a, yeah, hell of an opening. He's the kid I think will slot straight into the NHL and just be completely fine. I think it's going to be like a Kale McCarr situation. Guy comes in immediately as an impact. Um, definitely will help them in the first round um, if they end up facing the Rangers or whoever they face. Um but another thing, aside from 62, David Poshnok currently had 57 goals. We talked about uh, a fun segment on Bruins beat Willie Ketch McDavid. Don't think he's doing that. That's a little bit too much to ask for with, with just a handful of games left in the regular season. But 60 is not out of reach. 60 is not out of reach. And if that stomach virus clears, the stomach virus flu game he had on Thursday, if that stomach virus goes away, Connor, there's a chance he hits 60. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think what else can really slow him down if you're playing in a game like that against Toronto, which, again, I, I think guys get excited for playing a team like Toronto, a team that you could very well face in the playoffs. But all things considered, didn't have a lot to play for in that game. And for Parsonak to still be out there battling a stomach bug, uh, testament to him, again, even with, uh, you know, ups and downs sometimes of a game, he still has that that one-timer that can change a game with one shot. So, um yeah, I don't think it's without uh, reason that he could hit that 60 goal. I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup against the Devils, and I think we're going to just operate with the assumption that they're going to be playing, that he's going to try to play these next couple of games, try to get to 60. 
um, whether it's, you know, the Flyers, uh, the Capitals, Montreal, like they're not exactly a murderer's row of teams that he's <laughs> facing uh, down the stretch here. Not teams that are known, especially for the defensive uh, side of things. So would not be surprised at all. I mean, you look at just the way he's playing right now. I think for the Bruins, it's you encourage the fact that I think he's got what six goals in his last five games. I mean, he's heating up. Not to say that he, a guy with uh, you know, almost you know what is it, fifty-seven goals. A guy who hasn't really had a lot of cold stretches this year, but I think you're seeing him, especially over the last week, week plus, um, really kind of settle into a groove here. Which you gotta hope that if he's playing these last couple of games against these teams like Montreal or Philly. That kind of gives him that springboard that he can carry that into the playoffs when it starts. Hey, I know what it feels like to play hockey with a stomach virus. When I was in second grade and went to a Lake Placid tournament, the 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 illustrious Lake Placid tournament, and was throwing up the entire ride up, throwing up the first day. So I know exactly what he's going through. Exactly. I mean, I know it to a T. I remember it vividly. Um, but no, I mean, I, I it's that's a tough thing. But as you said, again, the the it's not really a murderer's row coming up probably facing some younger goalies in there as well. I think the other big takeaway from Pasternak of late has been, you know, it has not been the full cast around him. We'll get to Krejci in a second, but there have been a few games here where the, a lot of top guys are not playing and he's stepping up. I know we discussed this a little bit on Bruins Beat, but I think it's an encouraging thing that when he's needed to carry them, not that they need it right now because everything's clinched, but he's carried them at times in some of these games. And I think... It's an important thing to have. I know there are some out there who were kind of weary of the money they gave him, but I think it's a very encouraging sign that, you know, he can do that and that he can kind of a wing like him can put the team on his back. Now, obviously we see stuff on Twitter uh, from, from other media folks uh, about his turnover rates, uh, which I kind of roll my eyes at because as Ty Anderson put on Twitter the other day, um, the top turnover per 60 guys in the league are the guys who have the puck the most because sometimes Connor, when you have the puck a lot, you just turn the puck over a lot. And that's how it goes. That's just it's yeah. how hockey works. It's like when remember when teams used to be like, oh, that team has the most hits in the NHL. And it's like, that means they don't have the puck that much. Like it's just like exactly. do some do some reasoning here yeah. and you get to that. And I don't understand why people get all in a tizzy about the turnover thing. It's literally like Pasternak's on the list with uh, other noted uh guy of uh, deeply flawed players <laughs> like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon. I think Panarin's in there. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where you you roll with the punches. Yes, there are times when Pasternak tries to do too much or tries to you know do a solo effort or what have you. But you know what? He's got the skill to do it. Like again, I think you want to encourage that. It's like it's like if you have Adam Dunn on your baseball lineup and you're like, <laughs> Listen, sometimes you're gonna strike out, but we're not gonna encourage you to hit some bunt singles. We want you swinging for the fences because we know you can do it. Joey so, like, Gallo. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Like, and again, like Pasternak is a more complete player than just a thirty. Than Adam Dunn. Than Adam. Than Adam Dunn. <laughs> yeah, I know it's very disrespectful to David Pasternak to compare him to Adam Dunn, but again, you want to encourage the strengths of his his game, and even if that includes the occasional turnover or what have you, he more than makes up for it every single game. I mean, you, as you said, you like those games where he's putting the team on his back, like that Pittsburgh game. Like that's why you roll with the punches. You look at you know. Uh, the overtime goal against Toronto. Like these are things that in the grand scheme of things, they all work out and they usually work out in your favor. If you have a guy like David Pasternak, you, you roll with those uh, turnovers and sometimes the, those sequences there, because for every, I think one egregious turnover that leads to a, a breakaway goal, you got have about what 
eight or nine goals in your favor. Like it does not happen to the, this isn't like, you know, like Dennis Weidman or something like this, where it's like, all right, like getting a lot of like assists out there, but in the own, in his own zone, Holy Christ. Like <laughs> it's not like that with David Boswell. Truck, truck and referees. Exactly. Referees yes. over. Um, yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I get, you know, there are turnovers here and there and people get annoyed with it. Um, but again, this is a guy who's almost a 60 goal scorer. I just, I, I don't, I don't get all, you know, again, now if you get to the playoffs and he makes a, an egregious turnover and they, and it leads to, you know, a goal the other way in overtime and he has, you know, three points in seven games or something, then yeah, you have a gripe, but we haven't hit that yet. We have not come close to that yet. Uh, and I don't, suspect that'll happen um because i just i i I don't know i don't i mean again people want a more perfect player i get that but mcdavid's having those same turnovers for all those guys are having the exact same turnovers i don't know why it's this just complete meltdown at times um over that stuff Uh, moving into other lineup stuff uh david krejci uh doubtful for uh this upcoming weekend uh back-to-back games again again Love the bat. Love the four day uh, break in the middle, and then the back to back games. Whatever, it's the way the schedule works. We we bitched enough about the schedule. Um, how important is it right now for Krejci to get that rest? Yeah, I think it's key, right? It's something that Jim Montgomery mentioned that uh, it's one thing I think to be precautious. And you know, Charlie McAvoy leaves that game early against Toronto, and they said it's more preca- you know more precautionary, and maybe he won't play this weekend. But Montgomery uh, today on Friday didn't exactly rule it out, so. Maybe he plays Saturday, has the day off Sunday. That makes sense. It does seem like for Krejci, they're not going to push it. Uh, Montgomery says he's still pretty sore with whatever he's dealing with. So a bit concerning, but I, I think, you know, it, for a guy like him who's got that mileage, again, the Bruins don't have much to play for right now. Give him all the time he needs, right? Like he, he shut him down for, you know, the next week and a half and I'll let him recover because one, again, don't have much to play for right now, barring obviously the regular season record, but I don't think that's the forefront of their focus um, at this stage, but also you have a very good backup plan with Pavel Zaka, right? I mean, you look at that game against uh, Pittsburgh, he's the two C in that game and has three assists. Like you're not having a steep drop off in terms of what you're seeing out of a, you know, fielding a roster over these final games of the regular season. So um, yeah, I think for the Bruins, it's all about giving him as much rest as possible because you need everyone up to speed and, and healthy and locked in by the time the playoffs start. One thing we talked a lot about uh, when the Bruins acquired Zaka last year and then when the Bruins uh, signed Zaka to an extension back uh, this winter was, you know, is he a potential to see the future? You know, there was a guy that we kind of were, you know, maybe he's a safe player. He's he's a safe bet. Um, he's nothing. You know, you're not the the floor is not super low on a guy like Zaka. But, you know, is it? high enough to be, you know, David Krejci potentially, David Krejci's replacement uh, if Krejci and or Bergeron retire um, at the end of the season. And I feel like he has proven himself more and more as someone who could potentially shoulder such a load. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's playing at a a high level and something that I think the Bruins have been cognizant about is that, again, they're focusing all on this year, of course, right? Like every move has painted that picture. You look at just like even getting guys that could be rentals like Hathaway and Orlov and Bertuzzi, but you still have to plan uh, ahead. And again, that's not to say that Zaka can step in and be a, a 70 point guy um, year in and year out, even though Montgomery said that he thinks he has the means to be a guy that can give you 60 plus if he's entrenched in a two C role. But um, what Zaka, you know, brings and having him locked up to that long-term deal 
It's one thing the Bruins haven't had in a long, long time when it comes to that kind of looming question about uh, the next wave down the middle. They have options. They have someone that, even if he's not at the same pedigree as maybe a guy like Krejci or, or Bergeron, um, he's still someone that, if put in the right spot, is a smart player, really a poised playmaker, has a really great shot that they're still trying to get him to use a lot more. Like, he's not a guy that I, I think it's one of those situations where maybe he's better suited as a 3C and looks out of place in that spot. Like, you've seen him. I think he's played what? I think he's played 10 total games, I think, in a slotted over center this year, and he has 10 points in those 10 games. Again, not going to be an 80-point guy, but if you tell me next year that he's going to be healthy and he's going to have David Pasternak and Taylor Hall, let's say, uh, next to him for an entire season, pretty good recipe for success. So, And that's not even counting, like, you know, a lot of his damage that he's done this year has been at even strength play. So if it is a situation where a guy like Bergeron and Krejci aren't there, you know, he's slotted in there at the bumper a few times uh, during these last couple of games as well and has been pretty solid. So he's a guy that, again, gives you uh, at least another option there. It's tough to replace one, especially two of those guys, especially let's say it's this offseason, but uh, Zach at least gives you that ability to slot one guy in there. And at least you still should have a very functioning, effective line there. Yeah, again, Zaka right now, 53 points, uh, ranks fifth on the Bruins, right behind Bergeron and Krejci. So and and I you know they're at, they're just right above him at like fifty seven and and they're just right there. So again, Zaka has been a solid bet, solid bet uh, as a potential future two C. You know, Connor, this show this year been very positive. It's been a positive show. There's been no reason for negativity. I know some people might want us to rip the team and poke holes and things, and we we just don't feel the need to do it. There's no reason to. They're on pace to be the best team in the in, in NHL history. I mean, seriously, like, what do you want us to do here? Um, and you and I at times in the past have certainly ripped the Bruins for certain things. We're not, you know, all positive all the time. Uh, but one thing that's popped up on our radars of recent, uh, Brad Marchand, and it's an interesting thing that we've seen this year, again, coming off double hip surgery. We talked about this at the beginning of the year. Um, but he's, you know, his production has slowed down a bit. Uh, has not been the same player this year. I don't think anyone would would say he's been up to the level that he's been at in past years. Uh, only a goal since February 27th. And is this something to worry about? Because as we've seen this year, and we've talked about this a thousand times, there's a lot of depth on this team. A lot of depth, but still Marchand is a key piece. That is a your number one left wing. Uh, is this a reason to potentially get worried? Yeah, I think it's something worth monitoring. And I think for the Bruins... Um... You know, I think you look at where he is and he's been very, I think, uh, transparent and upfront about, you know, him coming back from that hip surgery and he still hasn't felt like his game's in the right spot. Like he's never a guy that will make an excuse or won't, you know, uh, lighten, you know, what what he's dealing with, where he feels his game is at. And he feels like it's not there yet. Um, But it's an interesting kind of balance, right? Because I think a lot of people view it as, all right, just have him on the same routine as crazy to sit him out these last couple of games. I think he spoke to Matt Porter, the, the Boston globe um, a few days ago. And it's pretty much like, yeah, I'm not, not going out of the lineup. So I think if that's the case and he wants to stay out there and wants to keep on working on his game. Uh, I mentioned this uh, watching the game on Thursday against the Maple Leafs. <clears throat> the one thing that kind of stood out to me is if he's on that power play, I would just like feed uh Martian in that puck, like have him be more of a, like a shot first guy, on that power play. It's not really what his role has been, especially over the last couple of years. But if you're in a spot where, especially you're playing some teams that are not very, uh, you know, strengthened by defensive fortitude, like Philly or, or Montreal, and you have Martian kind of take more of a shot first approach, and he pots 
a power play goal or two. I think that can go a long way towards just kind of getting him uh, back on track. And there's been a couple of times for as effective as Marshan has been. Um, he's had a few lulls over the last couple of years where it'd be like, you know, seven, eight, nine games without a goal. And then he gets like one, one goal finally goes his way and he kind of goes on a little bit of a heater there. So if Marshan is, you know, intent on not getting out of the lineup, then I would try to do something like that where you're either funneling him more pucks on the power play, or just get him something to get, kind of uh, get the monkey off his back because he's, as you said, I think he's clearly fighting it right now. Well, also it's funny. You mentioned the power play. That's something else you could do in the playoffs too. I mean, in a seven game series, teams are going to try to shut down Poshnok on that, on that, uh, on that right side. Then you have, um, you know, uh, you know, Bergeron in the bumper, things like that. Try other options. Marchand is a safe option for that shot uh, where he is on the power play. So again, I agree with you on that. Um, in terms of worrying, you know, I don't think Marshand is, you know, you've gotten this far with Marshand like this. I don't think that, you know, you're going to lose a playoff series because Marshand isn't scoring goals. I think it's also just to play away from the puck, you know, and just when he has the puck on his stick, how good is he at still protecting it? There's obviously been a little bit of slowdown this year, but um, again, I, I don't think it's reason to to worry fully, um, but it's not great. You don't really want that. Be nice if he got a little spark in these last couple games um, going into the postseason. And again, it's Brad Marchand. He ain't going down without a fight. And that sounds really, you know, homerish, but he's not. I mean, this is Brad Marchand we're talking about. Um, he's not just going to, you know, mail it in in the playoffs or anything. He's going to find a way um, to hopefully for the Bruins um, to contribute. Um, speaking of the playoffs, first round matchups, the wild card right now. Whoa. Talk about a crazy battle that the Bruins are very lucky they're not a part of. Uh, Islanders, Penguins, Panthers, all battling for a wild card spot and wild card positioning. And it begs the question, Connor, of those three teams. By the way, before we get to this, did you see the uh, Panthers Senators game on uh, Thursday it's night? Ooh, bananas. Ooh, crazy. You, you wouldn't think a Senators Panthers game on April 6th would do anything for anybody, but my goodness, old time hockey. Entertaining. Yeah, very entertaining. Um, of those three teams, though, Islanders, Penguins, Panthers, who is the one that would cause the Bruins the most issues? Yeah, I think, again, we probably preface it by saying the Bruins will be the overwhelming favorite. But, yes, we but, do have to do this. Yes. yes. But uh, I, I think for that one, I think it's Islanders. I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, I think Agreed. compared to, um, you know, Panthers, again, I give Panthers credit for, I think, really climbing out of a hole, especially in the first half. Uh, they've got a lot of star power. Um, move the puck well. They've given the Bruins problems this season, but uh, Penguins, I don't think that's a very good team uh, roster-wise. Like, they've got a lot of stars anchoring the top of their group, but Ron Hextall, brother, what have, what have you done? Like, that that roster <laughs> so out of place. Um, too many. That's a team that even with their high-end talent, they have way too many soft areas that roster that the Bruins could just – I think land body shot after body shot in a, a playoff series. Um, but you look at the Islanders, right? When you're matched up against a team, I think is, you know, has a lot more talent across the board. The best formula to, to overcome that over a seven game series is be boring, be boring, miserable to play against and have a really good goalie that can steal you a game or two. Islanders have that, right? Like they, uh, they do not uh, score a lot of goals, even though Barzal uh, coming back will help them out. But They've got a defense that knows how to lock things down. They're stingy to play against. Uh, love playing low event, boring hockey, which, again, it's not fun to watch, but I think you look at some of the most 
you know, discouraging games for the Bruins this year. Uh, it's been very few, but a few of those losses that stand out are probably like that home loss to the Kraken. That's that the one I was thinking players. of. If teams are going to beat the Bruins, they're going to have it's to go back and watch that game. And then slowing them down in the neutral zone, just playing frustrating slow hockey. Islanders are good at it. And even like, I don't think they're as defensively sound as maybe they were in years past when Barry Trotz was there running the ship, but Sorokin's the great equalizer there, right? Like he, I think he's probably the best goal you're going to face out of that group there. Um, if not, I mean, if there's anyone who's going to challenge Omar for Vezina, it's probably Sorokin and it should be right. So that's a guy that again, Bruins should be the favorites to win that series, but I don't think it's going to, it would, I don't think it'd be fun. Like, I think you look at Pittsburgh, I would say five games, if like that, yeah. like even, even Florida, a little bit more high scoring, they could make things interesting, but I still don't see them having just the overall uh, matchup wise. Again, Bruins should win. I, I think they should win against the Islanders, but it could be six games and each game's decided by a, a goal, right? Like that's just the way the Islanders like to play. And that's why they grinded their way almost to a run to the Stanley cup a few years back. Like that's a team that maybe isn't that same level they were two, three years ago, but if you've got a stingy defense um, and Sorokin in net and he's playing well, again, Sorokin also has not played the Bruins at all this year. They've kept him away from the Bruins. So um, that's the one that I, I would be like, that could be a bit of a slog. That's less than you. I think you want a nice like five game waltz into the playoffs, right? Like uh, that's the ideal situation. Islanders, they will drag that out. A nice appetizer. Sorokin was the one who started that series in 2021, right? And then Varlamov came in. That was yeah. the the order it went. Yeah. Um, so again, I know he's been hidden from the Bruins, but as you said, I don't think it's even close. I think the Islanders are the hardest of those three teams to face. Uh, just the way, as you said, they play. And it goes back to that Kraken game. I remember us saying at the time, like, if teams want a blueprint to beat the Bruins, you're not going to outscore them. You know, you're not going to out check them or anything like that. You got to pack it in. You got to play boring. You got to be aggressive uh, when the Bruins are going back and getting retrieving pucks. Defend, you can't give their defensemen time as they're coming up the ice. Got to be aggressive in the neutral zone, things like that. So uh, the Islanders would do that. The Islanders would have no issue doing that. Now, do I think the Islanders beat the Bruins in a, in a seven-game series? No, I don't. I think the Bruins get past them. But as you said, I don't think it's easy at all. Um, to play devil's advocate, though, because we got to get all perspectives here, and I want to do that. Um, Penguins, I don't think have a chance. That's a really uninspiring team up there, uh, over there. Um, bottom six, and that the depths of their defense is yikes. Oh, can you imagine what a third line of uh, Hall, Coyle, and Bertuzzi would do to the Penguins? Oh, oh my God, that would not even be a close series. Uh, but as I said, it would be fun to see Crosby and Malkin in the playoffs again. I do think that would be interesting. Um, Always the star power there. And I think the NHL would love that to be a first round series uh, ratings wise. Uh, but the Panthers are an interesting case because to me, I look at Matthew Kachuk. I know it's easy to zero in on him, but just, I know we mentioned that senators game, what he can do, you know, clean open ice hits, some little dirty open ice hits, some just being a pest, um, you know, potentially taking guys out, starting fights, getting guys off the ice, things like that. He's good at, and I think if you're playing him in a seven-game series, and you know, does he injure anybody? Does he? What kind of challenges does he present? The way he plays. Um, now the Bruins have what it takes to wither that Hathaway and Marchand and Bertuzzi, and like you have pieces there that can kind of fight that. But still, that's an annoying thing to face in round one, right? Like that's not an easy thing, and also the Panthers can score a lot of goals, so. 
Again, I don't think they're as safe and out as the Penguins, um, but they're not as tough as the Islanders. So the Panthers are an interesting team there. Um, it would be cool, though, down in South Florida for a, for a first-round matchup. I know next week, though, weather-wise, here in uh, Boston, probably most of New England, very nice weather. I don't know if you looked ahead and saw that. So, yeah. So I don't know if anyone's going to want to travel there in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting thing what ends up happening with the first round, uh, who, who the Bruins get. As you said, they'll be a favorite no matter what, and make sure you can go, you can go bet on the Bruins, obviously, with their good friends over at FanDuel. Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every every step of the way throughout the uh, final days of the regular season, and of course, throughout the playoffs with uh, game recaps, features, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at Boston.com and the Globe. Um, Of course, we have you covered on everything going on in Boston sports, so Red Sox, Patriots, Patriots offseason. Celtics get ready for their own playoff run. Um, we have you covered every step of the way over there. So please read all of our stuff over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And remember to go subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.